It's time now for Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester, America's premier automotive news and information talk show. Now, here he is, that automotive journalist with the photographic memory, Ken Chester. This is our number two of Roadworthy Drive, and I am so glad that you are able to join us. I'm your host, Ken Chester. As always, I have filled this hour with fun and information. But a public service announcement first, because you've got to stay in compliance with the suits. I am required to tell you that Sasha, our social media diva and all-around gamer girl, is off today. She's spending some well-deserved time with family, and honest to goodness, we promise, we'll be back to holding things down at Mike 2 next week. That means that it's me and Jack, my friend and executive producer, that you have for the hour. Yeah, I think that sums that up, right, Jack? Yes, it does. I don't need to add anything. I nope. Nope. Okay. But Sasha's going to be in a whole lot of trouble when she gets back next week. I'm going to let that. I'm going to let you handle that with her for sure. Yes, sir. Okay. This hour, another round of rummaging for automotive news from the parts bin, a conversation about your future mobility, the connectivity services that want you, and finally, believe it or not, wait for it, Rolls Royce finally introduces its all-new SUV. What? Yeah. You know it's finally a thing when even the staid Rolls-Royce jumps into the fray. And we got the details on that. But first, for those of you that desire to become part of the conversation, call or text me on the Roadworthy Driveline, that number, 872-222-9793. It's good 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Now, if email is your thing... My address is ken at roadworthydrive.net. Either way, we'll connect you to me and the show. Okay, Ken, what is in the parts bin this week? Um, To the Ford Focus and the Ford C-Max. Done. It's bye-bye. Late last month, Ford Motor Company quietly entered production of both those vehicles. Now, they were available in regular gasoline, hybrid, and in the case of the Focus, electric. Configurations, mm -hmm. but they became an early victim. Remember, we talked about um, Ford getting out of the car business just about entirely, save for the Mustang. Yep. In North America, in the next few years. Well, this is the start of that transition. And bear in mind, when they brought these cars to market about 2011, 2012, mm -hmm. the plant they were in, Ford spent five hundred fifty million dollars. Getting that plant ready to build these things. And now they're going to have to retool it again to build whatever Trucks they're going to build. Trucks and crossovers, right. Whatever they're going to put in the plant, we don't know yeah. that yet. My guess, and I'm guessing here, this is not something I know, would probably be the new Ranger. You think they put the Ranger in that plant? Yep. Mm -hmm. What are they building the Ranger right now? Uh, they're not. Oh, I, oh, am I still a little bit too early for this? Yeah. The Ranger, the Ranger is not currently for sale in the United States. The Ranger that is available in 160 countries around the world is actually built in Thailand and based on a Mazda design. Okay. And what is the American version going to be based on? Uh, a, a verif It's going to be, I'm not really sure if it's a new chassis or a modified one, but it will be built here. Um, I'm expecting it probably late 2019. I'm guessing probably still is a 2020 model. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, I thought it was supposed to be built by 2019. Yeah, but it's not. in. Yeah, maybe the calendar year. But whether it's a 2019 model or 2020 model, we'll see. My See, understand, the original Ranger was built in their Twin Cities plant. They closed that plant in 2011 and tore it down. It's gone. I actually have pictures. Of them tearing it down? Well, I have pictures of the sign that was still up after the plant was closed. Before It's probably gone now. Wow. It was actually in a residential section of Minneapolis. They built a whole neighborhood around it. You would never have known the plant was there. Really? Yeah, it was really. And an upscale neighborhood at that. Wow. Anyway. And, and my guess is they took all that land and made housing out of it. No doubt. Did you know Ford loses $800 million a year selling small cars in North America? No, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Now, the only good that came from this was that in building these vehicles, the, the regular hybrid, the plug-in hybrid, and the electric helped Ford to learn more about electrification and battery technology. Result? Ford is now the second largest seller of hybrids in the United States behind Toyota. So with that and their other plans for mobility, which we've reported at length here, um, I have to say that in terms of looking at mobility as a concept, Ford is probably the best position of the traditional three right now, even better than GM, I would argue. And by the way, mm-hmm. I can't believe I'm admitting this. Mm-hmm. Go for I it. I actually pulled up behind a brand new Prius this week. Uh-huh. Sharp car, wasn't it? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Sharp car. It was, yes, it was a very sharp car. Yeah. Toyota's not taking any prisoners, friend. No, they're not. They're really not. Speaking of not taking any prisoners. Okay. Autopilot. Oh, God. Here we go again. Oh, no. No, no. This is good. Elon Musk thinks he has the cure for all the negative press about autopilot every time a ve- one of the, his vehicles are in a crash where autopilot is engaged or not, and then everybody gets all crazy. He's going to do something right now no other automaker with a driver assistant system is doing. And what is that? Reporting crash statistics quarterly to the public. Wow. Mm-hmm. This could change the way people perceive automated driving systems, maybe even serve as a model for other companies. They consider autopilot, which, by the way, people, I've said it many times and I'm saying it again, is not full autonomy. Okay? A Tesla Model S, Model X, and a Model 3 with autopilot is not an autonomous car. And you better remember that because it will crash, and we've had crashes. Mm-hmm. It's not an autonomous car. It has driver assistance technologies, which is what autopilot is. Which would put it at, at what level? Probably level three. Okay. And as it gets more sophisticated in some situations, level four, but nobody currently has a vehicle for sale equipped to do full autonomous level five yet we're not we're coming we're getting closer but we're not there that was simply a marketing error on tesla sport um it's a case of the marketing being a little too clever yep but in any way uh what most people may not realize and it's a conversation that jack and i had just last hour um tesla is one automaker that collects a tremendous amount of data from all of its customers' cars every day, 
even in, in addition to the crash information, even information about the car, even when autopilot is not engaged. Tesla, oh, about a year or so ago, upped the computer capacity and, and, and um, capabilities of their vehicles by eight times to handle all this information. Okay, and this can go back to something that I said last hour. Mm -hmm. Where is our privacy? Exactly. The purpose, they say, is autopilot, with autopilot not engaged in collecting information, is a way to train the function's machine vision programs by encountering different experiences that the car encounters even when autopilot is not engaged. In other words, the sum of the whole, the sum is greater than the whole. If it gets all this information, if one Tesla encounters it, all Teslas know about it. Goes into the cloud, better trains autopilot to look for this, said, hey, in this situation, this is how the driver responded. Therefore, in a collection of information, this is how you should respond when can when facing the same type of situation. So basically what they're doing is they're training the computer to do AI. No. The AI is training the computer to respond. And that is what most people don't call it. It's called predictive learning. Machine learning. It's not enough to program it like in the old days. You would program a machine if this, do that. We're past that. Artificial intelligence says not only if this, do that, but based on that, anticipate this okay that's what's happening now the computers are learning how to respond in real time based on information a multitude of information being fed to it so the question is in the case of tesla will even though they contend that autopilot that reduces the risk of accidents and severity of accidents when engaged we will see as we get the information, assuming the information is both understandable and properly and consistently reported. We'll find out. So um, I think in the next segment, what we've got coming up, we're going to talk about mobility and your future. And here's a hint for you, Jack. Okay. It's very much in flux. Well, that doesn't surprise me at mm -hmm, all. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. mean, just like technology. Technology is in flux right now. Mm -hmm. So be prepared. We'll talk about that next. This is Roadworthy Drive. You're listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester on the Roadworthy Drive radio network. of a man beside himself with indecision. Should I buy a big car that has lots of room but is hard to handle and expensive to operate, or should I get one of those little foreign cars that are easy to turn, park, and garage, but just don't have enough room for an ordinary family? What's, What's a fellow to, to do? do? Compose yourself. Don't you know there's one car that has everything? Big car room and comfort, plus small car convenience and economy. It's the 57 Rambler, the car of new dimensions. Rambler is so compact, the station wagon outturns every sedan made in America. Yet the Rambler cross-country station wagon has full room for six big passengers plus king-size cargo space. 
Rambler gives big car performance, too. Watch as the new V8 races a strip of high explosives. Even on regular gas, it goes like wildfire. Or choose Rambler's new improved Economy 6, 32 miles per gallon coast to coast with overdrive. Fun test the 57 Rambler at your Nash dealer, at your Hudson dealer. 32 miles to the gallon in 1957. Okay, so why did it take so long to get us to 32 now? Um, emission controls. Safety features. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that, that about covers it. Okay. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Roadworthy Drive, and I'm your host, Ken Chester. Welcome. Um, it's also interesting, before I let go on that commercial, you notice they called it cross-country. Yep. The more things change. The more things stay the same. Yeah. Volvo used that same term to identify their vehicles. Mm-hmm. Just thought I'd throw that in there. That's why I picked that one out. I thought that was interesting. Anyway, the topic for this part of the show boils down to one word, mobility. It's a word we've talked about a lot over the last few years, but yet most people really have no clue what we're talking about. I'm going to try to help you with that. Now, first of all, the best way I've defined mobility in today's world, I call it a mosaic. What do I mean by that? I mean that you're looking at many different choices. Now, for the last 50, 60, 70 years, you, you had either you could own a vehicle, you could rent a vehicle, you could lease a vehicle, or you took the bus. Or, in for short situations, um, you would take a taxi. That, that pretty much wrapped it up unless you lived in a city where you might do public transportation, which might include a subway or a train or something, a bicycle, or, heaven forbid, you walked. All of those things got you around. And that was the way that we got around for many years. Everybody equated freedom and mobility with a car, though. The other ones weren't necessarily mobility, although under today's definition, they would be. Now, add to that mix um, ride-hailing, ride-sharing, bicycles, which are a thing, both manual and electric. Add in scooters, which are becoming a thing and making some cities crazy, from what I've read. In fact, I've heard the term scooter acopolis or, or something. Just something really bad. Something about it being... Really bad. Scooters showed up basically in Austin, Texas. Two companies uh, beat the city to their regulations and uh, offered scooters available. And suddenly, out of nowhere, there were hundreds of scooters. When the city clamped down regulations, scooters disappeared. The two companies that, that launched them stopped. Because the regulations got too mad. Too bad. Yep. So we've got that that there in Austin. Same thing happened in San Francisco. Why am I not shocked? But what we're talking about is an ecosystem of mobility that could offer transportation faster and cheaper. Um, a fundamental shift. And, uh, and let me go on record for two things that I need to claim. First, I love to drive. I love to drive. So do I. So I need to say that first. Having said that, 
There is indeed a fundamental shift prompting a move away from personally owned, driver-operated vehicles and towards a future mobility system centered around but not exclusively composed of driverless vehicles and shared mobility. Will there be autonomous vehicles in our future? Yes. Will there be vehicles that can still be owned by individuals in our future? Yes. Will it be as encompassing as it is today? No. And that is the trick. There will be a little something here for everybody. Some people in their finances may choose to still own a vehicle. Some people may choose to uh, have use or availability of a vehicle. Some people may choose to still drive. Some people might say, you know, driving's an issue. I don't want to drive, but I want to get from point A to point B. My time is valuable. I want to use my time in other ways. Well, and the other thing that we haven't talked about yet are those people that we all know that are getting really old and all of a sudden realize that they can't drive or the state says, no, you can't drive anymore. Imagine a future where your loss of ability due to eyesight or being able to, uh, to turn or handle or even work your feet in a way to work the foot controls does not compromise your mobility or your ability to get around. Imagine a future in which the vehicle in which you're in has the ability to monitor some basic uh, health statistics with regard to your health and can react if you're out of your own spec, knowing you're having an incident, a medical emergency or whatever, automatically. It may, in fact, save your life. And you're talking about the car driving you straight to the hospital. Uh, and maybe notifying the hospital that you're coming, what your problems is, what your particular medical situation is, and your medical uh, st statistics, okay. heart rate, blood pressure, things like that. But are we getting back to something that I'm known on the show for doing, harping on privacy? You are. But here's an issue. At what point does the benefits outweigh the risks? If you're an older American with me, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> health issues, if you, yeah, squirrel, if you're an older American with no family close by, maybe you want to maintain your rural lifestyle. You grew up rural. You love the country. You don't want to give it up, but you can't drive anymore. Would having the access to an autonomous vehicle that knows your schedule can take you around, be worth it, even to your doctor's appointments and things, without having to wait for somebody to pick you up and take you to the doctor's appointment, or a vehicle you can summon or would be at your disposal if you do have an emergency and you had nobody to count on. Yes. That's where we're going. The beautiful part about capitalism is these things will be sorted out as demand and finance and affordability come into play. Those things will decide how much of each. The beautiful thing is, it is a great time to be alive trying to get from point A to point B. So many more choices now. And it doesn't even matter if you're living in a rural area. And that, I think, will be the best choice of all. So, food for thought there. Coming up, connectivity services like OnStar are upping their game with you in mind. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is heard exclusively on the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network.
This is Roadworthy Drive. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Roadworthy Drive. I'm your slightly uh, pollinated and a little bit congested host, Ken Chester. For those of you that want or need more than your fair share of the road, check out the show website. That's roadworthydrive.com. Discover audio of past shows, video clips of our behind-the-scenes and studio antics, and more. The website's also a great place to find out where we are and what we're doing during the week in the world of social media. Sasha is our social networking diva extraordinaire. And did I mention extraordinaire? Yes, you did. Uh huh. Who goes to great lengths to keep you amused and informed between shows. Additionally, you can now hear Roadworthy Drive via podcast. We're available on Google Play and Blueberry Podcast, as well as our own YouTube channel. We realize that being mobile doesn't always mean being in the car. Be sure to take Roadworthy Drive with you. And after all, we do travel well. Most people are familiar with OnStar. Launched in about 1996, the system was widely available in various General Motors vehicles as a help in a situation such as an accident or an emergency. And it was a General Motors subsidiary, still is, by the way. Over the years, however, it's become so much more. And today, it's not alone, nor is it simply a resource in case of emergency. It and other services like it are quickly becoming so much more in the world of the connected car. Now, I can tell you something. Mm-hmm. I have been in and I have owned vehicles with OnStar. Mm-hmm. And I will say this as full disclosure. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Completely loved it. Now, let me ask you. Sure. With, did you just take the basic service? No. Okay. No, I had the uh, what was used to be known, I think, now as a concierge plan. Uh-huh. What did you pay for, if you don't mind me, a month? Mm, 34 35 a month. Whoa. Okay, so you were one of the top-end packages then. Yeah, I was pretty much one of the top-end packages. However, what it did was it was also a little insurance policy for my dad. Ah. Because my father could get lost easily. Okay. And if he got lost, he knew, punch the blue button, they'll tell you where you're at, and they'll get you where you're going. Mm-hmm. Okay. But did you realize you could probably have gotten turn-by-turn navigation for less money? Probably. Uh, in an in a, OnStar plan. Here's what's going on. OnStar collects, again, another company collecting data. Correct. Supposedly autonomously. We don't, I mean, you know, without knowing specifics, as we know. They're reconfiguring their business and reconfiguring their plans to maximize money. Um, me and GM got a bone to pick. I got a Uh-oh. bone to pick with GM right okay. here. Now, their base plan, their base plan used to have something called remote access service. Correct. Okay. Now, remote access service was the one that you see the advertisements when you see OnStar, you know, and the cute one they got running now with uh, the woman astronaut unlocking the car for her husband. Yes. In the parking lot. Yes. Okay. Wait for it. Guess what? They're taking it away. It is no longer part of the basic package. You get to pay more for that. Why does that not surprise me? Mm-hmm. 
the one they're pushing the hardest. Did you know that? No. Yeah. I'm not really happy about that. That's one thing. Now, would you believe right now, do you care to wonder how many OnStar connected vehicles are on the road in GM in Canada right now? I am probably going to guess someplace around 20 to 30 million. Not quite that much, but still 12.7 million cars. Wow. And trucks. Now, GM, another way that GM is increasing their value, their connectivity, a partnership announced last week with Amazon that allows for packages to be delivered to the trunks of GM vehicles. We kind of sort of touched on that. We talked about Mm -hmm. this a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Do I really want to to give somebody at OnStar the right to access my vehicle so Amazon can put something in it? Yeah, but in fairness, right now, OnStar has the ability to unlock your car. Mm-hmm. OnStar has the ability to start your car remotely. Correct. OnStar, in certain situations, has the ability, if your car is stolen, it's called... Uh, shut a, it down. Yeah, shut it down or slow pursuit or uh, recapture or something, whatever they called it. Right. The police could request it, give them the number, and OnStar can send a command to the vehicle, shutting it off so, and locking the door so the burglar can't get away. Yep. That's happening right now. So, you know, when you say more, it's not really more. I mean, it's very basically a variation well, you're, on well, you're unlocking a car. you're adding it to the list. But it's a variation of what they're already doing to unlock the car. You're that's just true. unlocking the trunk. Yeah. So that's really nothing new except that Amazon will charge you for the privilege and give GM a cut of the money. Wow. Why does that not surprise me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, they're changing this from three tiers of services to five now. But the thing that's killing me right now, that, that they're saying, that I'm like, really, GM? They were talking about changing something, and I'm trying, ooh, here you go. You'll like this, Jack. Prices for paid services range from $14.99 a month to, or $149.90 a year for the remote access package, to $59.99 a month for an all-inclusive connectivity, safety, and security package, including, wait for it, an unlimited data plan. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, the current three-month free trial of OnStar's full suite of offerings for new car buyers will now be cut to 30 days if you got a Buick, Chevy, or GMC truck. Cadillac will still get the longer trial period. Are you kidding me? Do you know how many more Chevys are sold versus a Cadillac? I'm just saying. But as they say, wait, there's more. Shifting gears a little bit. Volvo announced today that its next generation census infotainment system will run on Android. Independent of your cell phone. Really? Yeah. I also want to say that guess what? Which will include Google Assistant. Google Assistant works on just about every major smart home device brand now. 5,000 different devices. So can you imagine, without your cell phone, calling to the Google Assistant to adjust something in your home from your car? Yep. Turn on the lights. Um, start dinner. Mm-hmm. Not sure what start dinner means. Uh, start what's in the oven so it can cook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we're going to be able to do that at some point. Soon, Volvo drivers will have direct access to thousands of in-car apps that will make life easier and the connected in-car experience more enjoyable. Another brick in the autonomous car experience. 
and the Internet of Things. Remember I told you these things are not mutually exclusive anymore? Mm-hmm. Because what they're, what they're wanting to do, and Amazon's been very plain about it. They want to keep you from the home to the car to the smartphone. Yep. They, want, they, they want to stay the focus of your attention throughout all of that. So that's what's going on with connectivity, folks. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but again, I, I see your point about having a bone to pick with OnStar because, you know, this is all the stuff that, yeah, we grew I grew up with it, basically. Yeah, well, I think that's something that should be part of the basic package, but I guess we'll agree to disagree. In our final segment, <laughs> believe it or not, Rolls-Royce introduces its brand new SUV. You're riding shotgun with Ken and Roeworthy Drive. This is Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. We've come to this last part of the hour of Roadworthy Drive. Thank you for listening. I'm your sniffling host for this last segment, Ken Chester. With all the intensity, intensity, can I get my words right? Let me try that again. With all the intensity in the marketplace about crossovers, SUVs, and pickup trucks, it was only a matter of time until boutique auto manufacturers heeded the call and developed products of their own. The very force, of course, was BMW and Mercedes, followed shortly thereafter by Porsche and Volkswagen. Hold it. Stop right there. Yeah. I saw an article mm-hmm. the other day about Volkswagen, which is why I'm bringing this up, mm-hmm. that they are going to build the pickup truck. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Not surprised that the Atlas-based pickup truck would be built. And it's called a, a, a ton oak. Yeah, it's got a weird spelling. Yeah. Uh, you realize they're going to build that in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yes, I do. They're going to build it because it's based on the same platform as their Atlas uh, SUV, mm-hmm. which wasn't that bad. I had one. I drove one for a week. And you good. liked it, didn't you? I did. I was more impressed. The styling doesn't impress me as much as the vehicle itself, but I found it nimble and ran very well. I, w- I was pleasantly surprised. Okay, so who is the manufacturer that's going to jump into building SUVs? <sighs> well, let's let's add to the list, shall we? Okay. Um, these may have been pedestrian choices, but in the last 10 years, their Europeans have been joined by more of their highbrow brethren with SUVs and crossovers of their own. That would include Jaguar, Maserati, heaven forbid, Bentley... Bentley makes an SUV? They make one. I've sat in it. Okay, that's almost sacrilegious. Oh, it's about to get for real, for real right now, buddy. Okay. And now, finally, even Rolls-Royce. Okay, Armageddon must be coming. (laughs) They call it the Cullinan. The what? Cullinan. That's C-L-U, I'm sorry, C-U-L-L-I-N-A-N. Okay. It is named after the Cullinan Diamond. The 3,106-carat jewel discovered in South African mine in 1905, which remains one of the most largest, flawless diamonds ever found. Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. They consider it 
perfect and brilliant. And that's what they're using as the name and the thought process behind the new Rolls-Royce SUV. Okay. Now, does this new one have a price tag? It does. And I'm, uh, we're going to get back to that. Okay. It does. I know what it is. But I want to save that for a minute because I want to talk about this thing. Um, you would think that they would probably take maybe an existing platform for that, right? No. Nope. It's the second Rolls-Royce to be built on the company's new architecture of luxury aluminum space frame, which gave us the Phantom 8 Rolls-Royce. Cullinan is a motor car of such clarity of purpose, such flawless quality and preciousness, and such presence that it recalibrates the scale and possibility of true luxury that is coming from the chief executive officer of the company. Oh, I'm sure it's coming from him. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was the SUV was codenamed Project Cullinan during its development process when they announced it three years ago, and actually has some uh, performance chops to back it up. They tested it in the Syrian deserts of Africa and the Middle East and the sub-zero Arctic Circle and on the Scottish Highlands and even in the towering canyons of North America. So in other words, it's not just another pretty face. They claim that it embodies the many facets of our new motor car's promise. It speaks of endurance and absolute solidity in the face of the greatest pressures, it tells of rarity and preciousness, and it alludes to the pioneering and adventurous spirit of the honorary Charles Rolls and engineering innovation of Sir Henry Royce. Their words, it speaks of absolute luxury wherever you venture in the world. What does this vehicle have in it? Oh, no, I'm, I'm getting there. I, I, I want to. You're running out of time, Herb. Ah, But I want to build this up. This is an SUV that promises to be above all others, the most luxurious of all off-roaders and the most technological Rolls-Royce in history. It's even got something in the back they call a viewing suite, a bespoke pop-up seating area in the hatch area where the seats come out. You can enjoy your favorite adult beverage and sit and watch the world go by. That was pretty cool. Oh, like I need that. <coughs> you might. Try this. A 6.75-liter twin-turbo V12 engine. I'm getting all choked up about this. Yes, you are. Six, Almost 6.8-liter 6 twin-turbo V12 engine. 563 horsepower. 627 foot-pounds of torque. Which means if you get stuck with that thing, you ain't never getting out. Yeah. If it won't get you out, you are in a, a world of extreme hurt. And all-new, all-wheel drive. To ensure it has supreme off-road capabilities with a one-stop-everywhere button, it unleashes the car's all-terrain nature. Okay. So now that we're running out of time, I'm going to start asking the questions. How much does this thing cost? Ah, you're no fun. Of course I'm not, but time is our frenemy. $350,000. Base. No, Sasha. No. <clears throat> um... Although the many bespoke features and customization options will more than likely raise this closer to a half a million dollars a piece. Who, who would drive something like that that costs that much? Our customers are increasingly younger buyers who have made their wealth through smart business ideas. 
not just in Asia, but the United States, the Middle East, and here in the United Kingdom. These customers are highly educated and true global citizens. According to the company, we need to cater for them. We need to cater for customers who are more bold. They expect this vehicle will see even more younger customers, people who are outgoing, who want to drive the Rolls Royces, since you asked. Well, but again, their marketing strategy is probably 100% spot on. Inside this pure Rolls Royce, elegantly proportioned, lovingly detailed, and it's swimming with lush tactile surfaces. What does that mean? It is luxury beyond what you and I will ever see anywhere. Okay. Um, They even talk about the hand-polished stainless steel grill. Is positioned to be high and forward with the badge and its little statue of the spirit of efficacy riding above the line of the wing for a prominent vantage point, meaning it's a seriously fancy vehicle. God only knows how many of these they're going to make. So that does it for this hour. On behalf of the Roadworthy Drive crew, thank you for listening. This has been Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.